In John chapter 11, verse 43, when he had heard these things and said these things, he cried with a loud voice. This is Jesus now. Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Then when many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, they believed in him. I want to talk to you this morning about it's never too late for a comeback. This message series on an open heaven, you can give the Lord a hand clap. It's never too late for a comeback. Because we talked about a couple of Sundays ago, transformation, how God can transform anything in your life. He can transform it. As he turned the water into wine, he can transform your situation. Last Sunday, we talked about a trial and how your trial is no match for your God. But today, some of you today, as you're standing here, you're thinking, my problem is the all-time worst of the problems. Can I tell you, nobody in this room is as bad off as Lazarus. Think about it. He was dead. I don't think you're dead, right? Well, some of you are because the dead can't praise the Lord. But I'm not talking to dead people. I'm talking to spirit people that are alive in Jesus. So that means if God can raise Lazarus from the dead and bring him back to life and fulfill his potential, he can raise your situation up and give you the desires of your heart. Father, thank you today for your word. Let it be a lamp and a light unto you, uh, unto your people, and give your people exactly what they need today, a miracle. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're really good looking, and sit down. Okay, I want to tell you now, these next, these next three nights are very important because you need to be here. We need to set the tone. Also, this family, you need to learn how to invite people to church. You need to fill this place up every service. One service is not enough. You need to fill it up by your invites. Follow us on social media. Tell people about it. This is the best church in Stockton, and people need to know it. But we're, I'm not going to tell them. You need to tell them. So you need to tell them because uh, it's a great opportunity because this is an atmosphere of faith and expectancy. Now think about this today, because I don't believe in miracles because I read about them. I don't believe in miracles because I heard people's testimonies about the miracle. I believe in miracles personally because I have seen them in my own life documented miracles from the doctor, from people, from what God has done. I believe in miracles because of what the Lord has done for us personally. I want you to see that today because I think something can happen for your comeback. Comebacks are necessary because of setbacks. How many of you have ever had a setback? Let me see your hand. Now, how many of you know setbacks come because of poor choices, bad decisions? How many of you have ever made a bad decision? Let me see your, well, now we've got revival taking place in the house. Bad decisions happen because decisions and choices, they have consequences. Setbacks are caused by bad decisions, poor choices. When we make them, we live with the consequences of them. Do you know you can make decisions? As a matter of fact, you can choose to marry anybody you want to. But you have to realize, never criticize your wife. Never criticize your husband because they represent your decision-making ability. You chose them. So you shouldn't criticize things you chose. And I often think about that because it reminds me of the story of the little boy who went to his mother and said, Mom, 
where do we come from? And the mother said, well, we came from God, son. Why do you say that? Because dad said we've come from monkeys. And he said, the mom said, well, no, no, that's his side of the family. He's talking about his side of the family. <laughs> As a matter of fact, not only can you choose any person you want to marry, you can choose any career that you want to take on. Reminds me of the story of the young man. He wanted to join the armed forces, the military, but he did not like to march. So he went to the recruiter of the army, and the army recruiter said, son, we march. He went over to the Marines, and the Marines said, son, we march, march, march. Finally, he met a recruiter from the paratroopers, and the paratrooper recruiter said, son, we do not march. All you have to do is you go from the barracks, you get in a truck, you get on an airplane, you jump out of the plane, you pull the cord. If that cord doesn't work, you pull the emergency cord. A truck's down there waiting for you. You get on the truck and you go back to the barracks. And that is life in the paratroopers. The young man signed up. He's excited about his new career. First day, first jump, he jumps out of the plane. He pulls his ripcord. Nothing happens. He pulled his emergency ripcord. Nothing happens. And he thought to himself as he was rapidly approaching the ground, I bet that truck's not going to be down there either. Some of you will get that on the drive home. You can join and choose any church you want to go to. You can make that decision to make the church, this church or that church. You can choose which church you go to. Reminds me of the story of the man who was, he was, he was, he was on a desert island, a deserted island by himself, all by himself for years at a time. Finally, he was miraculously rescued. And when he was rescued, the guy that rescued him noticed on the top of the hill, there were three small huts. And so he asked the man who was deserted, can you turn that down a little bit, that monitor? He asked the man, thank you. He asked the man that was that rescued him, why are there three small huts on that island? He said, well, the first hut was my house. He said, the second hut was my church. And the guy said, well, what's the third hut for? He said, well, the third hut, we had a church split. That's my new church. It's true more than you realize. But I think about that because you can make the decisions and, and you'll make a decision long enough, you're going to make a bad decision. And when you make a bad decision, you're going to have a setback. You see, choices have consequences. All of us make choices, and they have results to those choices. Therefore, at some point in your life, you're going to have a setback, and you're going to need a comeback. It's important because all great men and women of God in the Bible, they had experienced setbacks. Abraham was riding cross-country with his wife. His, his story is in the Old Testament. And when he was riding cross-country with his wife, his wife was, was concerned about where they were going. And so they saw a caravan and these men coming. And Abraham looked at his wife and said, Hey, honey, Sarah, when we get to where those guys are up there, you tell them you are my sister. Now, he outright lied. He made a bad, silly, stupid choice. And as a result of that choice, he put his wife, Sarah, in the danger of being in another man's tent with bad things beginning to happen. You want to talk about four-barrel dumb. That was a dumb thing to do. Now, if that would have been a Stockton woman, it would have said, Abraham told Sarah, next verse, and they buried Abraham in a shallow grave. Man of God or not, he would have... He would have been dead. Moses let anger so control his life that he killed the Egyptian. 
out of anger, he killed this man. So for the next 40 years, he's on the backside of the desert in God's anger management class. And God was teaching him how to be patient and wait on him. God used him to crush Pharaoh, used this guy Moses to lead Israel out of bondage to the promised land. And God began to deliver him out of that setback. Rahab was a prostitute, listen closely, but as soon as she came in contact with Joshua and Caleb, she immediately received Jehovah God, and now her name is listed among the who's who of all time. She's in the lineage of King David and also in the lineage of Jesus Christ. She went from a nobody to a somebody in a stratosphere of superstardom overnight. What happened? She received a comeback. Peter cut off a Roman guard's ear. Jesus had to heal the ear. Not only did Peter have an impulsive temper and had a little bit of a problem, but also Peter was a little bit of a wimp. He denied Christ three times in front of an 18-year-old Jewish girl on the porch of Pilate's patio. He flat out denied knowing the Lord. Not only did he deny knowing Jesus, he cursed while doing it. I can see the headlines on the front page of the Jerusalem Post. FBI looking for Peter, attempted murder. I can see the church board firing the pastor because he's cursing out in public. I can tell you that theologically, when you denied Christ before men, he denies you before his father. And theologically, he's hanging over the, the very corridors of hell because of his foolish choice. But when Jesus rose from the grave, something interesting happened. He said, you go tell my disciples and Peter. Peter, the one who made a bad choice. Peter, the one who had a setback. Simon, the one who was unstable. His name means water. He's inconsistent. I want you to tell my disciples and Peter, no longer Simon, go tell the rock that I'm going to use him greatly in Jerusalem. He's going to lead a miracle crusade. 3,000 will be saved. The apostle Peter conducts the first crusade to miracles to take half. He's delivered from jail by an angel. My point of all of that stories are this. If God did that for Peter, Listen, if God did that for Rahab, if God did that for Moses, if God did that for Abraham and Lazarus, cannot he do that for you? Cannot he do that for you? So what's the message? The message is stop beating yourself up over your bad choices, your bad decisions. What happened last year? What happened last week? What happened an hour ago? Stop worrying about things you cannot change. Let it go. It's a spilled milk item. You need to let it go and move on. You need to learn to see yourself as God sees you. See yourself as the Lord sees you. You may be a scarred vessel. You may be all beat up and scarred up, but you're in the hand of the master potter and he loves you. You have unlimited potential. He makes the beauty out of those ashes. He takes the things that were setbacks and he turns them into a divine setup. He can take the things that the devil meant to harm you and use it to launch you to your divine destiny. Can somebody give God praise in his house today. So what I'm saying today is really you need, to leave, you need to learn to live life without the regrets. You have to learn it because you have to change your thinking and learn to live life without regrets. Learn to live it without limitations. The only limitation is the man or woman that looks into the mirror each day and says, I can't, I won't, I never will. You have to learn to live your life with God potential on the inside of you. As a believer, you are doomed to succeed. You need to learn that. So when your back's against the wall, do you realize today you really got three 
choices. You got three points of view. When you need a, a comeback and your back's against the wall, you can take three positions. You can be what I call a pessimist. You can be an idealist or you can be a realist. Now, you got to ask yourself, when I'm looking into the mirror, what, what am I seeing? Consider the idealist. The idealist could be in a bad place. They get into millions of dollars of debt, but they're so far out. They watch an infomercial, and they, they see this, flip this house. You'll reverse the curse and make millions overnight. And they think, yeah, I can do that. But see, that's not real. That's not reality. You know, some people cheer about everything. They get a vision from God or a, something begins to happen, and they think, oh, that, that, that's just not really how it goes, is it? But the idealist thinks, oh, I can, I can flip this, and they don't live in a place of reality when it's really not going to happen. Or how about the pessimist? The pessimist is chicken little. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Run for your life. The sky is falling. That's the pessimist. Doom and gloom. Always something bad is happening. That's the one that you can go out to the beach, say, hey, we're going to the beach. The sun is shining. There's not a cloud in the sky. And the pessimist says, I think rain's coming. I think rain's coming. The pessimist says, I could take that new job, but I could take care of myself this new year, but I know my marriage needs counseling and help, but I know I need to honor God in the giving, but can I tell you, if you're really going to make a comeback, you got to get your big butt out the way. Some of you have huge butts. I mean, we have to take aerial shots of your rear end. It's so gigantic. And I'm not talking about your, your physical derriere. I'm talking about your, <laughs> maybe some. I don't know. But I'm telling you, you got to get your butt out the way and let God have his way. No, nothing that you're facing work against you. I'm going to try over here because I think you're a little more revved up today. Know that God is for you and everything's going to be all right. You got to get your butt out the way. Turn to your neighbor and say, get your butt out the way. Some of you are glad you got flat ones right now, aren't you? Some of you are like hecka bubbled out. <laughs> Get it out of the way. In this, in this day in which we live, I don't know about y'all. I don't even know. I'm sorry. Come on. I invited my friends. This is what you're doing to me, Joey. But in this millennial reign of pessimists, we have riots and demonstrations, Supreme Court nominations with the IRS, government shutdowns and all the dysfunction and fake news and PMS and all the stuff that comes with life. Sometimes we think it can't get any worse. But can I tell you, if you can't be happy now, you're not going to be happy later. You've got to choose to be happy right now in spite of what's going on. Turn the light on and trust God. So when life becomes a battlefield, what you have to do, you have to choose to fight. You've got to get in the game and choose to fight. Because winners aren't, are born, winners are made. They choose to win. They're not born to win. You have to make the decision. You've got to choose to fight until the victory comes. Don't cower. Fight. Don't whimper. You've got to learn to be a fighter. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. When's the last time you as a believer took a stand for something? 
I mean that you just kind of, you know what, I'm going to take a stand for this issue. I'm not going to be mean or aggravating. I'm not going to tell people that they, they, they're going to hell and I look like I just got back because I'm angry at it. I, I'm, not, I'm talking about taking a stand for something. Because you know if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. And any dead fish can float downstream. But it takes one with backbone and courage to go against the flow. And you have to realize it's time for the church to stand up for truth. Stand up for what's right. Stand up for righteousness. Stand up for God. When's the last time you took a stand for the Lord? Said, you know what, I'm just going to trust God. I know you're all heaving over here, but can I pray for you? Because, you know, you're all crazy over here, and I'm just going to pray for you. I'm not going to listen to your little filthy jokes any longer. I'm not going to listen to that nonsense anymore. I'm just going to stay away from that. Take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Take a stand. Some of you are thinking, ooh, what did he eat this morning? Sounds a little aggressive. It's a little aggressive for me, Joey. Listen to Psalms 144, verse 1. This is King David writing. He says in the passage, Blessed be the Lord my strength, who teaches my hands to fight and my fingers ready for war. God's saying, I know there's physical battles that people talk about, but this is a New Testament prototype of spiritual battles. The Bible says when you begin to fight, you've got to get in that fight and fight to win. Not give up, not cower. You've got to fight to win. When the darkness comes, turn on the light. Speak the word of God. God and fight to win. That's the spiritual battle. And listen, there are three battle techniques that you have to get involved in if you're going to win the battle. The first is you got to wage war through prayer. Prayer is simply talking to God. As you would talk to someone you love, you need to talk to God who loves you greatly. You got to learn to talk to God. Because a person that doesn't talk to God in prayer is a weak, anemic Christian. They don't have no power because they don't have a prayer life. Do you know as powerful as God is? Listen to me. He can't answer prayers until we are praying those prayers. You'll live in defeat until you learn how to pray. And when I'm talking about prayer, I'm talking about simply talking to God. Pray without ceasing. That means maybe when you're on your way to work or in the morning when you're getting dressed. Some of you do your hair, don't you? (laughs) People with hair bug me. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm just joking. People with fake hair bug me. That's the truth. That's the truth. The little hair hats, they drive me crazy. I think, because I'm thinking, what's on top of there is not bad as what's under there. Trust me. Trust me. See, see, see. But what I'm telling you today, because you're not laughing, I'm telling you today that you and I need to engage through prayer. Because what cannot be obtained in the natural can be accomplished through prayer. If 2019 tells us something, if it's going to be an open heaven, all of you look at me, it's going to happen with your prayer life. Because as powerful as God is, he cannot answer prayers until you and I begin to pray them. If you want heaven to open, heaven's not going to crack until we begin to pray. And when we begin to pray, God begins to move. When we work, we work. But when we pray, God begins to work. And when God begins to work, watch out. Because God begins to move. Heaven doesn't move until we pray. I think about that because... Having said that, you got to stop praying what I'll call these Mickey Mouse prayers. You gotta start, you gotta, alrighty, pal, you gotta stop it. 
you got to stop praying Mickey Mouse prayers. Some of you are praying, oh, God, should you, could you, would you, please, perhaps. I'm begging you. That's not how you should pray. A believer should pray like this. Lord, I thank you by the authority of your name and the power of your blood. I thank you that Satan is a defeated foe. I thank you that he is driven out of my home, out of my health, out of my children, out of my emotion, out of my finances. You are a defeated foe. Get out in Jesus' name. You start praying prayers like that, the devil leaves you alone. I'm just kind of casual in my Christianity. Yeah, you'll be casual right to the graveyard. You better learn to fight in prayer. You better learn to know that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Anything that comes against you, God says, you begin to pray. Heaven begins to open, and I begin to move because there's power in prayer. Can I get a witness this morning about the power of God's Almighty? Some of you just need to get a little bit of a, a little bit of something, something in you. Just learn to pray. Get your hands off my children. Get your hands off my finances. Get your hands off my body. You got to learn that the devil is a liar. And this world will bring you down, and the spirit of this world will take you away from the things of God. And not only do you wage war through prayer, listen to me. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta run to the fight. Because when you run to the fight, what you're saying is, I ain't scared of you. You ever, you ever been in a, see, some of you ain't, been, some of you ain't raised in an in a environment where, like, confrontation. First fight I got into, that little girl beat the snot out of me. She wasn't scared either. She beat me bad in elementary school. I went home because I was the youngest. My brothers were like, I got beat up. And they're like, who was it? I'll kill him. And I'm like, she was tough. <laughs> Her name was Angela. She beat me up bad. Angela Campos, I'm coming for you. That's <laughs> really her name. <laughs> Sorry. Forgive me. We'll take that out of the recording. <laughs> oh, I remember. She punched me right in the face. But I learned from that beat down. She ran at me. She wasn't scared. I think about David when he's getting ready to fight that monster giant called Goliath. The Bible says David ran toward Goliath. That monster knew that David was not intimidated by his size or what he had to offer. And I'm saying that to you today because God Almighty anointed David before he ever fought that Goliath. He killed that lion. He killed that bear. And he had a proven experience with God. That's why you and I are proven experience with God because we've been through something. And when you've been through something, you know you have a proven experience, so you don't have to cower. You can stay in a position of peace, which is offense, not defense. And you come to the fight, and you say, you want it? You got it, sucker. And now the fight is on. The Bible says David ran toward that monster. He was aggressive. He was fearless. He was confident. Why? Because that little shepherd boy knew the God of Israel was with him. And I'm telling you, the God of Israel, he's with you, just as he was with David. He's with you, my little shepherd boy my little shepherd girls. Nothing's impossible to them that believe. And if God is with you, act like it. Think like it. Talk like it. Speak like it. 
the devil's crowd ought to look at you and say, man, this person's fearless. This man or woman is confident. And you can be confident because God will not fail you. If God be for you, and not only do you wage war in prayer, not only do you, do you run toward the fight, here's the third, and we'll get ready to close in a moment. You got to endure it. The Bible says endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Reminds me of a true story I was told about these two beautiful bird dogs that this man had in his backyard. And these dogs were beautiful, they were big. And one day a little bulldog came down the alley. He went under that chain link fence and him and those two, bull, those two bird dogs got into a fight. And after a few minutes, the, the fur flew, there was barking, there was scratching, that little bulldog whimpering out of the fence, he left down the alley licking his wounds, lying out in the sun. The next day came around, that little bulldog came back down that alley one more time. And he went under that chain link fence and he again went after those two bird dogs and they fought again. The, the fur flew, the screams, the yelps, the snarling, the fight didn't last quite as long. He went back under the fence, licking his wounds, kind of laying out in the sun. The third day, the same thing happened. The fourth day, and the fourth day, the fight lasted a little longer. And now that bulldog was beginning to gain confidence. The fifth day came around. That little bulldog came snarling down that alley, snorting and scratching. He went under that fence, and whoosh, they went at it again. This time, the two bird dogs went into the garage asking for help. And the little bulldog won the fight. What's the point? The point is, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog you may not look like the winner you may not look like you've won the battle because you've been beat up you may not look like it because you've been bruised David didn't look like the winner either he was the last he wasn't even invited to the party but he was God's chosen you may look at your circumstances and say oh Joey there's no way in the natural and maybe that's true in the natural but friends, we serve a supernatural God. Comebacks happen. And they happen when you get what I call reduced down to nothing. That's important because God gets glory out of nothing. Mary and Martha said to Jesus, come, your brother's sick, our brother's sick. Jesus didn't come on purpose. How do we know that? He's God. We know he didn't come on purpose. He knew how sick Lazarus was. He knew the instant he died. Jesus didn't send a messenger. He didn't send flowers. He deliberately waited until Lazarus was dead, reduced down to nothing. And there's a reason. Because God gets glory out of nothing. God's delays are not God's denials. God takes glory out of a continuation school dropout who lived on Dead End Street, whose house address was zero. Many of you don't realize how Oasis came about. It wasn't a name change because we, we wanted to change the name of a church. It was birthed out of pain, out of having nothing. It was birthed out of an elementary school little boy getting picked up by his oldest brother, put in a car looking for their strung out drug addict father who had been gone for five plus days, only to find him in a beat down little bar called Oasis Card Room in Sacramento. And something resonated in his little head that said, that's no Oasis. 
And here we are today, what truly an oasis can be. Not just water, maybe the woods, maybe the, maybe the, the snow. Your oasis is what you make of it. And the point I'm making is maybe you feel like, man, I was down to nothing. God gets glory out of nothing. He'll take your life if you'll let him. And if you just open up, he will use you. Your problems is not as big as your God is. As the team comes and we close, are you facing something that needs a comeback? You say, well, Joey, I need a miracle. And the miracle that I'm facing, it seems impossible. And what I'm going through, Joey, nobody really knows because I haven't even expressed it. But I want you to know today, friends, God knows. He knows what you're going through. He knows the problems that you and your family are having. He knows the circumstances and situations and the battles that you're facing. He knows the miracles that you are asking for. He knows what you need today. You may not see a way, but it doesn't mean that God cannot make a way. And I love that because no matter what you're going through today, where you can't, he can. Where you can't figure it out, he's got a thousand and one ways you ain't even thought of yet. When you're down to nothing, you know the statement, that means God's up to something. And no matter what your battles are today, God's in the miracle working business. How tough your problems is, how insurmountable it appears, the God that we serve is a giant killer. He's a giant killer. He can raise the dead. He can heal the leper. He can bring back the miracle you're looking for. I believe in miracles, and they still happen because Jesus is alive. He's still a miracle-working Savior.